What vegetables do sailors hate? And welcome to Starting Sustainability, episode 83. I'm your host, Kaylin Chenoweth. As I get older, I'm really starting to appreciate summertime more and more each year. I mean, it's not as great as it was when I was a kid because I still have responsibilities and I have to go to work every day. And when you're a kid, you get summer off of school. But I still enjoy the warm weather and the sun being out later and just the flexibility of being able to do more things. I think it's that and a combination of COVID ending and more things are opening up. So now I have extra to look forward to every weekend. So my weekends are busy and jam packed. (laughs) It is currently graduation season and in two weekends we have gone to four different graduation parties and a 10 year old's birthday party. So throw that in there too. It is quite interesting to see the vast differences between all of the parties. I'm looking at all of the parties with sustainability glasses on, if that makes sense. To me, it's very fascinating to compare the parties, which I really shouldn't do, but I did. (laughs) And I'm going to share it with you. One party, the 10-year-old birthday party, we had disposable tablecloths and paper plates, plastic utensils, and cups and napkins, everything had to match. All of the decorations had to match, and the banners, even the gift bags and wrapping paper, everything had to match, but every single thing was mostly plastic and disposable. And one of the graduation parties, I'm going to brag on my sister Dawn, because I talk about her a lot on this podcast, her youngest daughter, Katie, my niece Katie, graduated, so congratulations to Katie, as well as my nephew Finn, my nephew Justin, and my next-door neighbor Mike. Anyways, back to Katie's party. It was hosted outside, and there were outdoor games that belonged to the family, so they just brought them outside so the guests could play with them. Homegrown strawberries were served along with grapes and nuts and cake, and all of that was accompanied with glass serving dishes, like individual glass serving plates for everybody to use, and metal forks, like real forks, (laughs) and real glass cups. And I think the reason most people go with the disposable route on party supplies is because they don't want to wash all the dishes. But here's what I observed at the party, that when people were done with their real food vessels, they took them to the sink and then washed them and put them in the drying rack that was there on the counter. Nobody was standing there telling them to do it. There wasn't a sign asking them to wash their own dishes. They were just grown adults who knew how to wash a dish, a fork, and a cup, and they all did it and put it away. And the host could focus on enjoying the party and relaxing and just being there and celebrating with her daughter. I think it was great. The main party was outside, but we could all go in and out of the house as needed. And it was just a very low-key event, but extremely sustainable And that's what I loved the most about it. I think at the end, there was one trash bag that had to be taken out. That was it. Before these graduation parties, I was able to squeeze a run-in on the trail system located behind my house. It's about three miles, and I always take my dog because I need to wear him out (laughs) because he destroys things otherwise. Anyways, I was out running and enjoying the evening, and 
on the path was a shirt. It was actually a really nice Nike dry fit shirt that you wear in the sun. And here's the thing. I was the only one there. Nobody else was around. And I knew that if I left it there, it's windy where I am. I knew if I left it there, it'd just end up blowing around and becoming litter. So I grabbed the shirt, held it up. I was like, that looks really nice. It's beautiful. It's well put together. It's a beautiful pink color. It's a size small and I am not a size small. So (laughs) I will find a new home for that shirt. Yes, I already washed it. So you don't have to worry about that. But that was a nice little sustainability moment that I had this past week that I rescued a shirt from becoming another piece of garbage flying around out on the trail system. Another thing I did this past week was I had a follow-up call with my finance advisor. So I wanted to go back to that and revisit it and clarify because I was a bit confused before. Let me update everybody. I met with my finance advisor originally and he showed me Morningstar sustainability reports that were associated with all of my investments, with my retirement investments. And I went through and read them and kind of sort of explained it on the podcast. I didn't really get it. So (laughs) I'm explaining it again now with a little bit more clarification. On those Morningstar reports, they have a globe system, zero to five, zero being bad and five globes, meaning that it really is good for the environment, that it's got a a five globe rating instead of a five star rating sustainability wise. Of the 60 investment reports, 14 of them had five globes. I was very impressed with that. 18 of them had four globes. Still pretty impressive because I had no clue what my money was being funded into. 12 of them had three globes. So that's about in the middle. Three reports had two globes and one report had one globe. So out of all of those, I was like, that's really darn good. A lot, most of my investments are, you know, three globes and up, which was great because I was anticipating them to be really, really bad. (laughs) But there were 12 reports left that had zero globes. And that's what was disheartening to me. So then when I met with my finance advisor, again, his name is Tom, by the way, I said, hey, let's address these 12 that have zero globes. So he explained to me, It's not that they were bad investments. What it was is they were bonds, and they were government bonds, which means they're not actually supporting a company, so there was no company to rate. So they weren't zero because they were bad. They were zero because they weren't associated with a company, if that makes sense. So I was like, oh, okay, so those 12 that are zero really just aren't rated. It's not that they're bad, they're just not rated. So then I wanted to focus in on the one company that only had one globe and the three companies that only had two globes. I'm like, let's fix those first and then we'll keep making changes after that. But I wanted to fix those first. And here's the part that was extremely ironic in my eyes. The one company that only had one globe, here's the name of the company. Clean Edge Green Energy ETF. And the main investments are for Tesla and NIO. I guess that's pronounced NIO. That's basically like an Asian Tesla to my understanding. To me, that's a really big red flag. At the bottom of the report, it will list the reason why they received the score that they did. And for this one, it showed that they scored poorly in the category of governance comma employee. So not sure what's really going on there, but that's the reason. To me, it was just very interesting that they scored so low. When the title of the investment company is Clean Edge Green Energy, and it's only scoring one globe, 
That is a very excellent example of greenwashing. If you don't know what greenwashing is, it's a term to define companies who promote being green and sustainable when in reality they're actually not. So it's kind of like false advertising, unfortunately. They give you the impression that they are green, but they're really, truly not. So, Sustainer Nation, if you have time, because if you're like me, you don't. <laughs> you're probably listening to this on the run right now. <laughs> but if you have time and you want to at least start the conversation with your financial advisor just to see where your retirement money is going, where your insurance money is going, figure out where that's going. You don't have to fix all of it in one setting. You don't have to understand all of it in one setting because that is a lot to take on. Just get the basics and take small little steps. That's what I'm doing. I've got the gist. I said, all right, right now we're going to target that company first. And then we're going to move up to those three companies that only had two globes. And each time we meet, we'll just tackle it a little bit at a time. Doing a little at a time is perfect. (laughs) It's perfect for me anyways. Oh, and the last thing that I wanted to share was we had a member of Sustainer Nation, Cassandra. She reached out to me after I issued last week's weekly challenge, which was to take a shower in under five minutes, which so far I have failed miserably at. (laughs) I've taken like four showers, and every time I'm thinking, okay, I gotta take a shower tonight, and I have to remember to time myself. I gotta remember to time myself. And then I get in there and I just get to thinking about 100,000 things because that's what happens in the shower. And I totally forget that I should have been timing myself and that I should be hurrying. And (laughs) I guess I'm kind of using the showers as a moment of peace and quiet to myself. (laughs) I think every mom can relate to that. So I still have to do that challenge this upcoming week because I have not been successful at it. But anyways... Cassandra reached out and she reminded me of showers at Girl Scout camp, which I was a Girl Scout when I was younger and I completely forgot about these. So for anybody that has been to Girl Scout camp, you would only get three minutes of running water. You get one minute to get wet, turn the shower off, soap up, and then the water's back on for two minutes to rinse off. There's no need to have water running while you're soaping yourself up, which makes sense. Because that's what I do. When I'm soaping myself up, I take the shower head and I move it to the side. So that way I am not in the mainstream of water. (laughs) And so Cassandra was really helpful in that she also mentioned she has a shower head with a pause button feature. Genius! (laughs) I've never heard of this. (laughs) But that would be so helpful. I had no idea that those existed. But guess what? That just went on my Christmas list. A shower head with a pause button. Okay, that's everything to catch up on for now. Therefore, it is time to start in on my interview with Izzy Fisk from Seasonarians. Here it is. I received an email that stated, I have recently come across your podcast and think it looks amazing. Side note, flattery will get you on this podcast as a guest. (laughs) And I was wondering if there might be a possibility of us having a chat about maybe being featured on your podcast. I think everyone trying to promote a more sustainable future should come together and support each other against the big, powerful companies with more money than sense. Also, by the way, humor. Humor, both humor and flattery will for sure get my attention and get you a guest spot on this podcast. (laughs) So ladies and gentlemen, today I have Izzy Fisk, 
She is a co-founder and director of Seasonarians, a new community investment company that encourages people to eat locally, seasonally, and sustainably. Hello, Izzy. Tell us about yourself. Hi, so I'm Izzy. I'm 23 and I live in England and I'm currently studying uh, a psychology degree from home online because of COVID and last year I founded the Seasonarians with the help of my colleagues um, because I'm just really passionate about environmental welfare and we found ourselves having a lot of conversations about where food was coming from and what the best thing is to do in terms of how sustainable you can be when you're um, in terms of your diet and that's where it sort of snowballed from there really. (laughs) So how did you get started with this company Seasonarians? So we were all in lockdown and across the dinner table we just kept you know it kept coming up this conversation about whether what the the food you're actually eating whether that's more important or whether where it comes from is more important in terms of how sustainable you can be um and started doing a little bit of research and then my uh, colleague gareth came up with this traffic light system which is the backbone of the seasonarians really um and it's just a really easy simple way that people can sort of become aware of where their food comes from and uh, although we only have this in the UK at the moment it can the concept can be applied anywhere really we just wanted to get people thinking and talking about where their food comes from instead of being so used to having everything in the supermarket and not giving two thoughts about what it's actually taken to get the food onto their plate. Can you explain how the company works? Yeah, so um, it's a community interest company, um, which basically means that any profit we make from it goes back into what we're doing um, in back into the community. And like I said, it's sort of this traffic light system. So we we partner up with local businesses um, who wish to take on our traffic light system and use it within their whatever their business might be so it's being used with um in fruit and veg shops in milk vendors um i don't know if you have them over in um, america i assume you do but they're sort of vending machines for milk where you can go and take your refill bottles um, and a lot of people are doing that now when they have a farm and butchers we've got it in um uh, our first cafe joined and farm shops and things like that so it's all businesses who have quite a passion like we do to support local um, and seasonal eating and a lot of their produce is from like a local place to where they are so yeah then they take on our our labeling system and they become a seasonarian member and we sort of help promote each other um, and it goes from there really. I love the thought behind it And I love what you're doing. Can you explain Seasonarians, where that name came from and what it means? Yeah, so it basically just means if you're a Seasonarian, it means that you are eating and being aware of where your food comes from. You're thinking about it when you go shopping. You're thinking about it if you're ordering your food online. Um, And you saw for us here in the UK, we get apples available in the UK, but then also apples coming from sometimes even New Zealand, from France, from all over the world. So if you saw all those choices 
and you were a seasonarian, you'd probably think about it and try and pick the local option rather than um, something that's been flown halfway across the world to get to you um, when you can get the same thing from you know the country that you're in or somewhere even more local to you so um yeah it basically anyone can be a seasonarian really it doesn't it's not like a vegan or a vegetarian where you have to only eat that certain thing and if you stray from that at all then you're, you're no longer that thing it's just people that are mindful about where their food's coming from basically and trying their best to eat locally and seasonally when they can but it's not saying oh you can only be a seasonarian if you eat everything from down the road because that's just so hard in our modern world so yeah it's, it's kind of no pressure I think eating the things that are just really really local maybe within 50 miles I don't know what that would be kilometer wise maybe I guess that's about 100 kilometers but that really limits your diet that would get very boring very quickly so I do get your point but it's nice to have a collaboration and just focusing on getting people to eat the right foods for the right reasons it's it is hard to balance out health and sustainability but if you are eating local, you are also increasing your health at the same time. You alluded to your labeling system, your traffic light system. Can you explain that? Yeah. So um, with the traffic light system, we just have four different colored categories of stickers. So we've got uh, the red sticker, the amber sticker, the green and the green plus. So green plus is given to a plate, uh, you know, a business when that product that they're selling has been produced within 50 miles of where they are selling it and then the green is for anything that has been produced within the UK um, amber is anything that's been produced within Europe and red is the rest of the world um, but obviously if this system was ever I don't know that this will ever happen but if it's ever applied in other countries they would they could still use the same labeling they would just have to change it slightly what it meant compared to them because obviously it, this is having the uk as our sort of base whereas you can just apply it to different countries um so each label might not necessarily mean the same thing for different places but that's kind of how it works here so it's just supposed to be a really simple sticker system so that people of all kind of ages and abilities are able to just look at that and say, okay, it's got a green label on, that means it's from my country compared to, you know, somewhere else. Do you find with the labeling system that people eat less red, that maybe they feel guilty when they eat the red? Yeah, I mean, it's quite hard to tell for us because we're, the, the labeling is installed in, you know, with our partnership, so we can't directly see that. But from what they they say to us, I think it definitely makes people think twice and have conversations about it, which is the main thing that we wanted to to promote, just people being more aware of it. And then they can make their own choice from there. We don't want to force choices on anybody um, because everybody's got different you know, needs. And sometimes eating locally is more expensive and people just can't afford that. So it's not saying you have to do this all the time. But yeah, sometimes I guess the red stickers might put people off a bit but I suppose that's sort of the point <laughs> but it's not like they, they, they don't need to feel bad for eating something in the red zone I still eat you know bananas and things it's not like I you you can never do it but it just is good to be mindful and thinking actually 
maybe I don't need all of this exotic fruit all of the time. (laughs) Very good. Okay. I'm glad to hear that because my concern was if people stop eating the red foods or the red stickered foods, then now you're going to have food waste as an opposite result. But it sounds like maybe they're just more controlled and eating less of it. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, I think there will always be a lot of people out there who still do use those things. So I don't think it would be the case that that stuff would be thrown away. Um, I I hope not anyway. But, But if it was, if the demand was then, if, you know, the shops and the local businesses noticed that the demand on the red items was less because people were buying it less, then they might order less. So it would, that's hopefully the aim so that they would, not stock as much and then they wouldn't need it so if does that make sense <laughs> if I'm making yeah. sense a little bit so marketing wise they would now the shops would stock less red items and hopefully more green or green plus items yeah I guess that's the the idea because a lot of the places that are partnered with us at the moment they they're doing it because already most of the things that they have in their you know for sale are in the green the green categories but it does we have had conversations with people when they're saying oh it's made them think and they say oh I I um I get this from you know this country or New Zealand or something but actually now I can find a supplier from here and have it go from you know a red label to an orange label or orange label to a green label so I guess that's the kind of purpose from the business owner's point of view got it The whole reason of doing the traffic light system and starting the Seasonarians program and company is to make it easier for people to buy local. Can you explain why buying local is so important? I mean, I think that everybody, it's probably different for different people why eating locally is important. If you're looking at it in terms of people people that own local businesses it's so helpful to them to keep you know your country's economy going um and these people you know you're funding their lives really um I also think it's got it's just got so many benefits I mean for me I feel like it's the most it's a very sustainable option compared to getting food that's been shipped halfway across the world or flown across the world just to be on your plate here um I feel like it's more sustainable to to have something that's come from near you um but also there's a lot of benefits that come with it as well in terms of health and nutrition say if you've decided to grow you know maybe before you bought your raspberries from a supermarket all the time now you've decided to grow them and then freeze them so that you can have them in the months where they're not you know they're not in season that's much more nutritional as well for you that because I think I mean I don't know all the the fine details but I know when things are flown quite they've got to be packed in certain ways and chemicals put into them to make them last a long time and I think often the nutritional value sort of decreases the further something has traveled so I guess there's that um, benefit as well but I don't know I just think it just seems to make logical sense to me (laughs) Well, Izzy, I'm a dietitian, so I will confirm that you are correct. Usually when food is traveling a long distance, they pick it early. So it's not nutritionally developed at that point. And then as it sits for a long time, what nutrition is there is now slowly degrading. And that's another perk of buying local. You want to stimulate the local economy 
which is very important, especially after COVID, but also you're reducing the emissions by buying local and reducing all that shipping and the packaging. And now your fruits and vegetables are significantly more nutritious, which is why we're eating them. <laughs> so you, you got it right. You nailed it right on the head. <laughs> you had mentioned before that eating local can be different for each person because it depends on where you live. Can you give a broad definition of local just kind of to help listeners get a better understanding? Okay, yeah. Um, the way that we've categorized local in terms of our Green Plus label is within a 50 mile radius of wherever the place is that's selling it. Um, but I, I don't know. I think, I guess there are different sort of ways of looking at it. And even, you know, it's kind of comparative. So me getting something from within the UK is local compared to me getting something from Australia. But also within the UK, me getting something from Somerset where I live is local compared to, you know, Newcastle at the top of the UK. So it's I guess it does vary, but we have categorized it with as within 50 mile radius just to to help our businesses and for our customers to make it clearer. Okay, that's good. Because sometimes you might have to dip outside the 50 mile radius. But if you go to 70 miles, that's still a whole lot better than all the way around the world in another country. So I do get that. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. And it's not, um, we, we're not saying, you know, to be a seasonarian, you have to eat everything within a 50 mile radius. I mean, I think that's basically impossible. It's just, you know where where you see two options and you think oh I can get this from closer than somewhere else you might choose that instead like you said you know 70 miles 100 miles is still better than a thousand miles or 10,000 miles so it's just sort of about weighing it up really and getting people to be aware um, and then make their own decisions from there really. There are many listeners of this podcast from all around the world not just Europe so what can they do to help learn more about seasonarians and support you or maybe bring it into where they are living? Just for uh, people, you know, outside of all across the world, basically um, the concept applies anywhere. So anyone can be a seasonarian. It's all, it's all about your mindset and just you being aware of where your food comes from and thinking, Oh, actually I can, you know, I can grow this in my back garden instead of getting it from another country for even this month even if you your only change is to grow some strawberries for two months during summer and and that's it that's at least a good change you're still you're still thinking about it and you're still becoming aware of things so yeah but for people that want to learn more I would say uh, go to our website which is uh, www.seasonarians.co.uk and that's kind of got a whole broad just different pages of different inf information really that we put together things about how to help you grow your own um, we've got a seasonarian calculator which it basically lets you put in your kind of typical fr fresh produce uh, shop per month and then it kind of gives you a seasonarian score in terms of where it's come from and how you know you you'd get a worse score I suppose if you get constantly things from the other side of the world and it just sort of helps it gives you a figure so that you're able to work on that and reduce that and 
then we've got information about all of our different partnerships we've got some great seasonal recipes from our seasonarian chefs um, and just quite a few other tools and things but I think it's uh, really helpful and it's a good place to get started if you want to sort of think about those things and then from there we have links to other places for people to do their own research but that's something that I would definitely highlight to people is just do your own research it's help it's helpful don't just you know read one thing from one source and take that as sort of what you must do I think getting a broad picture is very helpful you mentioned you have a seasonarian calculator can anybody use that or is that targeted for just those in the UK at the moment I think it is targeted for those in the UK because each product has a a label linked with it but if we you know if we had interest from other countries I'm sure we would be able to create one for different places but the I guess the yeah I think at the moment it's it's specific but I think there's definitely potential for playing around I mean when we started this we didn't know how what kind of interest we'd get from where so we're just sort of growing as we go and it it's not even a year old so I think there's a lot of opportunity for us to expand it and make work on making it applicable for everybody everywhere. Could somebody who's outside of your country, like from the US, work with your company and possibly create a branch of your company like here in their local area? Yeah, I mean, like I say, we're still so new and we're considering all different possible ways of expanding. But I think I think that would definitely be something that could happen in the future if if we had interest from people, you know, in, in the US or from wherever. Um, I do think because the concept, like I say, is applicable everywhere, although you'd have to change, you know, the exact meaning of the labels in different places, that's not what the, the main part of it is about, just being conscious of where your food is coming from. And the labelling is just simply there to help people know where something's come from in comparison to where they are at just a single look you don't have to you know search for all these labels I'm not sure how it is in the US but sometimes here especially in supermarkets the labels can be quite misleading and you'll have they could be hard to find on the product or you'll you know it might say in season and you think oh great it's in season but actually it's in season in Mexico and it's not you know it can be quite misleading so we just wanted to create a really simple system that's honest um, and that's why I guess some people might be put off by the red the red part of it but we just want honesty and we think that people deserve that and you can't make good informed decisions without honesty and transparency. So if listeners of the podcast want to learn more where should they go? If they go to our website, um, which you can find by just Googling Seasonarians, then we also have a Facebook page under Seasonarians as well. And we have a Seasonarians Instagram account. So any of those three places are ways to get in contact with us or learn more. Um, we're always happy for people to approach us with any questions. Um, and then we also have an email address, which is info at seasonarians.co.uk and yeah that's our way of uh, contact perfect do you have time for a quick game yeah all right (laughs) well (laughs) it's really more of a 
it's really more of like a get to know you. It's kind of like an icebreaker, but we're doing it at the end. <laughs> oh, that's fun. So since Seasonarians is really all about your foods, I would like for you to name five foods that you hate. Okay. Well, I hate, I hate cooked tomatoes. I don't know why I like normal tomatoes, but I hate them when they're cooked. Um, I don't like lamb. Really hate, really hate lamb. <laughs> I hate prawns. Um, and actually most seafood, which I've stopped eating since I watched that Netflix documentary, Sea Spiracy, because I got very upset and I stopped eating fish altogether. I don't know if you've seen it. but I have not seen it yet. I'm afraid to watch it now because <laughs> I do enjoy my seafood. <laughs> um, oh, what else do I not like? Um, probably quite a lot of stuff. I'm very fussy and now I can't think of anything. Oh, pickles. And gherkins, don't like them. Is a gherkin a pickle or what's a gherkin? Yeah, actually, yeah. I don't know if they're kind of the same thing or not. Maybe they are. I hate them both. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Spam. Have you heard of spam? Oh, yuck. Yeah, I have. I'm not, I don't like that one either. <laughs> we say that spam is stuff posing as meat. Oh, yeah, that actually is what it probably is isn't it it's just a uh, it's like a canned meat yeah not nice no no the the five food items that well there's more than five but the five that I came up with for this game is I don't like licorice or gummies in general like gummy worms gummy bears I don't like them they get all stuck in my teeth and I hate that and I don't like beets as as I know I'm a dietitian and I should love all my vegetables, but beets taste like dirt to me. No matter how I cook them, I just taste dirt every time. <laughs> and I don't like bacon. At first, my husband was very sad to find out that I didn't like bacon, but then he found out that that meant he got my bacon. So now he's excited because he gets extra bacon, but I don't like crunchy meat. I think crunchy meat is really weird. Just like I don't like canned meat. I also think that's weird. It's okay. Uh, I don't like bacon either, actually. Um, and I actually don't like much dark meat or big, you know, just like steak and big lumps of meat. I don't really like a lot of meat, I suppose. And also something that's very popular that I, that I hate are donuts. I don't like donuts either. They're, muffins I love, but for some, once something is deep fried, I'm really not interested in it. So I don't care for donuts or French fries. I don't like deep fried items. They upset my stomach too, because I think I've just gone so long without them. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's the um, the the things that are bread and sh and sugar. So like ice buns and everything like that. It's, I don't want sweet sugar on my bread. It's just weird. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I too hate pickles. I think I'm the only pregnant person who like when I was pregnant, who could not stand pickles. It was like, you're pregnant. You should eat these. I'm like, I hate pickles. Please don't put those in my face. <laughs> <laughs> so did I name five? Was that five? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think I got them all. So <laughs> yeah, between the two of us, we came up with five and, and there's definitely a whole lot more, but that's good enough for now. <laughs> Cool. Well, it was very nice to get to talk with you. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much for um, 
having me do this. It's been such a good experience as well for me. Exciting. Yes. <laughs> I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all of your hard work. And I hope that your company, Seasonarians, continues to grow and spreads out to a whole bunch of other locations as well. Yeah, thank you. I hope so too. It was really nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Thank you again, Izzy. It is so cool to communicate with people from all over the world and see what each country and culture is doing to support sustainability. We are all connected with our concern for the environment. Before we go, we need to draw a card for the next weekly challenge. And it says, enforce a zero food waste rule to make sure that you don't throw out food that could have been eaten, freeze leftovers, make smoothies, and think of creative ways to use up leftover food. Ooh, what a great card. I love this challenge. I think it's great. I'm not sure about the zero part of the food waste, but definitely focus on significantly reducing the amount of food waste. Just by taking the time to do the fridge audit, like I talked about with Stephanie Miller, is extremely helpful. It doesn't take long. It's probably less than two minutes. Basically, when you open up the fridge and you start getting stuff ready for dinner and whatnot, analyze it. What needs to get eaten up first before it goes bad? And then move that to the front of the fridge. Or put in a little bin in your fridge or a designated shelf area with a sign that says, eat me first. That way, when another member of your family comes along and opens up the door and then just stares at the fridge waiting for food to scream out which one should be eaten, there's already a sign literally pointing to the food, this is what you need to eat. (laughs) When it comes to food and using it up, you can get so creative. There are so many different options for recipes and what to do with leftovers. Take your time and look it up on Pinterest or You can do a flashback to some of my episodes where I talked about preventing food waste. That'd be episodes 29 and 31, both titled Preventing Food Waste, because I didn't realize that (laughs) at the time. But they are two different sets of information. (laughs) So check those out. And then as always, we have the Facebook group, which is Starting Sustainability, and you can definitely share more ideas and information there as well. And of course, if you need to get a hold of me, you can reach me at Kaylin, K-A-Y-L-I-N, at startingsustainability.com, or the Facebook group. You can also direct message me via Facebook, and of course, Instagram, which is starting underscore sustainability. Be sure to tune in next week and listen in on my interview with Charlotte Maiden from Loop, which is a growing online store that I learned about from reading Stephanie Miller's book, Sustainable Living the 80-20 Way. Sustainer Nation, continue to stay sustainable, and I will talk to you all again next week. Have a great one. Bye.